The Doctor and Romana are after the second piece to the key to time and soon discover it is on a planet called Kalufrax. Yet, when they materialise, it's a planet called Xanark. Can the Doctor and Romana solve the mystery of where Kalufrax is? And who is the insane half-robot captain and what is his involvement in all this? This is the pirate planet. Welcome to Regenerated. Yes, Doctor. Each of these small spheres is the crushed remains of a planet. Millions upon millions of tons of compressed rock held suspended here by forces beyond the limits of the imagination. Forces that I have generated and harnessed. That's impossible. That amount of matter in so small a space would undergo instant gravitational collapse and form a black hole. Precisely. But Zanuck would be dragged into a gravitational whirlpool. Why doesn't it? Because the whole system is so perfectly aligned by the most exquisite exercise in gravitational geometry that every system is balanced out within itself, which is why we can stand next to billions of tons of supercompressed matter and not even be aware of it. With each new planet I acquire, the forces are realigned, but the system remains stable. Then it's the most brilliant piece of astrogravitational engineering I've ever seen. The concept is simply staggering. Pointless, but staggering. I'm gratified that you appreciate it. Appreciate it? Appreciate it? Would you commit mass destruction and murder on a scale that's almost inconceivable and you ask me to appreciate it? Just because you happen to have made a brilliantly conceived toy out of the mummified remains of planets! Terrible storms, Doctor! It is not a toy! What's it for? What are you doing? What could possibly be worth all this? By the raging fury of the Sky Demon? You ask too many questions? You have seen, you have admired? Be satisfied and ask no more! Captain, sir, come quickly, please. The Mendiant, they're on their way. Excellent, Mr. Fibuli, excellent. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Regenerate. My name's Matt, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful wife, Becky. Hello. And this week we have... It's a little bit of a mouthful now, because we're going to get into it, so it's... We're season three, episode two of Regenerated. We're in serial story two of The Key to Time. And this one is um, season 15, I'm thinking. No, 16. Yeah, 16. Um, so last week we had the reboss operation, which we left a bit underwhelmed, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, very, very underwhelmed with that. Uh, but... This week we have the pirate planet where they're obviously after the... Well, we'll quickly give a recap. Basically, there's a key to time, which uh, is like a cuboid, I think it's going to be, where there's like six parts of it that are spread throughout the How universe. How do you manage a cuboid? Well, I think, well, the picture on the box of the key to time box set gives it away that it's All a right, cube. So in your idea, what is a cuboid? A cube? No. Like a square. A 
cuboid. Actually, a 3D square is called a cube. A cuboid is when basically only two parts are actually square and the rest of them are rectangles. All right, then, whatever. A cube. Did you not do 3D um, shapes at school? Well, a very long time ago, yes. Yeah, Uh, so did I. And I still remember more than you. Well, anyway, it's going to be a device that's called the key to time. So they found the one piece last week, and now obviously they're on the voyage of the second piece, which is spread throughout space and time, I think is uh, Mm -hmm. the destination. Uh, The pirate planet, before we get into it, I would say it's a little bit of a step up. We'll get into what I thought, well, what our thoughts and feelings were about this one. But I think this one is a step up from last week's, definitely. And I'll go into why I think that in a minute. So let's go through the logistics of the pirate planet. So 30th of September to 21st of October. It's four episodes written by Douglas Adams. This is his first one. And he also, um, I'm not really too sure if we're going to review it yet or not. Because it was really kind of like an unfinished serial so Sharda was his other one mm-hmm. and i don't know if we will follow uh, we will or not that is in the next box set but i don't know we'll, we'll see which probably be a bonus one that we get to uh and this one and obviously quickly injecting douglas animals uh, douglas adams is obviously famous for the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so that's what he's most famous for i don't think really many people never knew even seen that i don't think too many people knew he really never did read Doctor it, Who, never so. seen it I've read the first book and I've seen the TV series and the film. So, yes, I'm a bit of a fan of it. Nerd alert. Oh, well. We are watching Doctor Who, but he's here. And it's a podcast about Doctor Who. So, I think there's yeah. two nerds here, not just one. But the difference is that's an acceptable level of nerd. Hmm. You know, even a Trekkie is an acceptable level of nerd. Um I've just never known anyone who's so obsessed with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as you. Well, I'm not really obsessed with it. I just like watching it. It's Seeing so, I've never seen it. I don't really know many people who have even seen it, let alone read it. And you've seen it and read it. Well, I've read the first book and I've seen the series and the film. So, so yeah, that's about as close to obsessed as you can get. Mm, wow. Anyway, so the director of this was Pentant Roberts, and he's done The Face of Evil, which um, sadly was left us underwhelmed, uh, and The Sun Makers, which was all right. It wasn't too bad. And in the poll, I think I can't quite remember where last week's came. It came in the top 100. I think it was like 92 or something. This one came in at 104, so it's not that far away, really, from last week's reboss operation, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, like I say, I'll, we obviously went through last week with a bit of a slimmed-down podcast, because like we said, when there's not much to talk about and you don't really like the serial, mm-hmm. there's not really much you can... You, you can't like the beat the dead horse and sort of stretch out the podcast if you're not really enjoying talking about what you're talking about. I know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a critique what we do, but yeah, I just didn't like it. I thought, as we said last week, it should have started like the ball rolling on this um, this series series season arc on on a big like sort of big bang sort of thing, but it didn't really do that i don't think anyway so this week i think it's a little bit different but anyway synopsis quickly uh the doctor and romana learn the second segment of the key to time is on the planet califrax yet they arrive on a planet called is it zana zanak is it it's said a-n-a-k 
So it's a little bit of a hard one to sort Sonic. of... Yep. Which has been hollowed out and fitted with hyperspace engines, allowing the insane half-robot captain to materialise it around small planets and plunder their resources. So that's slightly what the story is about. That metal bit under his tash, he looks like a really dodgy robot version of Captain Pugwash. Well, the very first scene that we get introduced to is the captain, so we will just discuss this. So the captain, obviously, is a half-robot, sort of insane sort of person. It's like if Captain Pugwash was half-robot. Yeah, basically. I thought, um, the trouble is nowadays, you can see that the arm's very plasticky, but I did like the actual uh, costume of the captain. I do think it's, it's very different, I think, to what we've seen um, in some of the previous Doctor Whos. I don't think they've yeah. really gone with that sort of really futuristic look of a villain, shall we say. And, yeah, he also had, uh, which is a little bit of a... A little bit of a what's the word? It's sort of like a, a sort of a, a thread, as we were, sort of joins it onto something. He has like a, sort of what they're sort of uh, hinting to is obviously he's supposed to be a pirate, so he's got like what we what we would think would be like a parrot, but it's like it a looked, robotic sort of parrot know, I thing. I think it looked more like sort of an owl or an eagle. The owl, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. The owl, very much like Sinbad. Um, I can't remember which one it is. Um, is it the Golden Voyage of Sinbad? I've is that never the one? seen Sinbad, but the only owl I know of that happens to be made of metal is Clash of the Titans. Is it? Well, yeah. maybe it's Clash of the Titans then with that. Yeah, the, the owl. It looks very much like that. And I think if Although I... Although that makes more noise. <laughs> is it Tom Baker in the Clash of the Titans as well, I think? Or was he... No, he was in Sinbad, I think. He, I don't know. I've never. I just said I've never seen Sinbad. I think you'll find he was in Sinbad. Um, I've never seen Sinbad. So at this very moment, we'll have to quickly Google it while we're on it. Um, and unfortunately, sure. Matt's computer is slower than my phone. Well, we will just quickly have a look and see. I think you'll find Tim um, Tom Baker was in, um, you know, Sinbad. So uh, if we quickly have a look and see what he actually was in. The trouble is when it's sort of a. Uh, Doctor Who wiki, they don't really, they sort of more centralise it on. That's uh, why you search Tom Baker to it. Well, yeah, but he's got a wiki page, isn't he? You know, so um, I can't really find it at this minute, but I do know he was in Sinbad. So if people on social medias, let hit me up and see, uh, tell me which one he was in. I think it was the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And I think you're fine. He actually played Sinbad, if I remember right. I'm not too sure. But let's say I'm trying to trying to rack the brain anyway moving on so yeah the captain that's a bit weird isn't it because then Sinbad's supposed to be Arabian well well I'm unfortunately back in 60s 70s 80s whatever you did have a sort of dare I say black facing of people Um, obviously a highly racial thing now but you know well yeah and for completely understandable reasons yeah so Anyway, so the captain, I think he's actually quite a good villain. He's obviously he is. Uh, That's like a white guy playing Jesus at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, but there is a lot of white people that play Jesus. Yeah, but know. Jesus was actually Israeli. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, the captain Bruce uh, Purchase was the guy who played him, and I thought he portrayed it very well. I think he's the 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 trouble is it is Kate very Bruce is very. That sounds very Australian. Well, yeah, but I don't think he was Australian. So. No, but Captain Bruce. Yeah. Very Australian. 
Well, Bruce Purchase was the actor's name, Becky. Maybe that's Not because, Captain Bruce. Maybe that's because basically Bruce the shark in Finding Nemo happens to be Australian. Mm, maybe. But, but I Bruce think is a very Australian he, name. He betrays it quite well, I think. He's portrays. very much... I think he's very much of a... Portrays. It's portrays, not betrays. Betray is betrayal. Betrays is basically how you perceive someone. All right, well, thanks for correcting that. Um, he's also got a little sidekick, Mr. Fibuli. Uh, he's portrayed quite well. Obviously, he's the, the Weasley-type character is as well. Is that me, or did he look like a guy who played Demon Headmaster? I don't know. You've said this before. This is the second time no, on Regenerated no, you said the guy looked like the Demon no. Headmaster. If I remember right, it was Pyramid of Mars... No, but that's, um, no, I'm not saying it's the same actor. It's not the same just, actor. No, We've looked into it's just it. like he's got a long face. He's looked really got dodgy cheekbones, and he had just the weird tiny glasses. Yeah, and also there is a. All you need is for him to take off his glasses and do the eye thing, and he is probably there. Yeah. Also, there is a, a lady that's working with them, but I don't actually have a name to uh, hand. It's not actually in the target's wiki. She's not actually in the cast list, which is really strange because actually, in the end, uh, when we get to it, we'll explain. But she actually plays a very vital role, I think, in the end of this serial. Yeah, so, glorified anyway, job. Anyway, so part part one, we're starting off on this. Um, Xanax, which basically is like they say it's like a, a which mountain. is kind of a bit of a dodgy idea, really, because Xanax is like a form of um, in Xanax, sort of like a form of Valium. I think you'll find it is, yes. So, <laughs> in a nutshell, what well, to be fair, I, I'm gonna only say this once, though it felt mm. like you're taking Valium watching it. Well, I don't think so. We'll get into that in a minute, but um. In a nutshell, it, to, to really, the, the trouble is with Douglas Adams, and I found this in the serial, is it's very complex. There's a lot of space jargon. It's not. It's, I don't very think complex. it was. I think at the end of the day, it's basically the same well, old, explain same Explain then. It's, explain it's the what the bridge old, is then. What is the bridge same for old, the listeners? Same old. What's the bridge right? for the it's listeners It's the same then? old, same old. All the time. You have two opposing parties. And then basically, there's always one who's controlling, who you think is the good guy, and then the others end up being uh, supposedly the bad guy. But then actually, the bad, supposed bad guys end up being the good guys, and then they've got to go after the people you thought were the good guys in the beginning to either rescue someone or completely throw a rebellion or a revolution against them. And... Then, hey presto, they're overthrown. I don't it's think so. Pretty much I, dis same I disagree. This one has old. this it's... one has more layers to it than a, a, just a typical Doctor Who story. You're describing oh, wow, you're describing good versus they're... evil, which is what Doctor Who is. It's a good versus evil storyline. Yeah, that That's what they thing, have every that whole week. Thing is basically just it's a bit meh. You know, right. it's just basically it's like you know, it, it's so predictable mm. because I, wow. I I was watching it and it was like oh everyone was basically going about the captain so good and all this other stuff and the bad guys were apparently the bad guys and all these zombies and everything and then 
you know, but then I was like, I'm just sitting there thinking, right, well, actually, I bet they're the good guys and they're the bad guys because that's always the way it seems to pan out. Well, there's a bit more to it than that. We'll go through it quickly. So the the captain is obviously uh, the head of a... Uh, this is the bit that's a bit samey, I thought, is, is a, a mining company. Once again, it's a mining company. It always seems to be a mining com- company. Whether in it's Who. gas or, or, so or anything the else. The way I could perceive it was there in what they call the bridge, which is kind of like their sort of headquarters, but it looks like it's a facility, but they call it the bridge. That's a bit confusing. Um, well, no, they I describe think it as a mountain I, I, as well. I think that's because of where they operate from, sort of like the bridge of a spaceship or the bridge of a ship. Yeah, basically, they call it a mountain. So, But to me, it seems like it's a whole planet. Um, basically, it has a, like a, a, a dematerialization uh, sort of circuit and engine inside of it which means it can move through space well, it does. I don't really know but if they if say through time look, I don't know if they said they through time when they Romana they actually basically said that mm. she she needed he, they asked her what that thing was that was broken and they said the dematerialization thing and she yep. turned right but does it go it doesn't they didn't say whether it goes through time I only think it goes through space but basically they go around a planet and then they mine the sort of the minerals. Now, why do they need these minerals? I thought this was quite, it's a relatively good idea. I think basically there is a queen who is deteriorating. Um, she's dying. And I thought this was very clever as well. They basically suspended her in animation or whatever you'll call it. Suspended animation yep. in a time and barrier. Yep, the time barrier. And or he call it the time dam is what they call it. Yeah, right. And she's but in the last the like principle. two seconds before she die to keep her sort of physically there. And this is where we say about the lady who is like helping the captain. Yeah, this but is that's a double why swear. that's why they're mining because they need the stuff to keep her sort of in suspended animation. But then they also need it to produce a new body basically yeah, for her life force body. to go into this is where there's a bit of a double swerve where i thought it was going quite well because you don't really i don't think you see it coming until it's revealed basically the lady who's sort of helping the captain she ends up to be the leader of the group really and the captain's actually like a pawn he's kind of being controlled by her uh, and she is actually a younger body for that queen and i think that's a really good idea that mm. um obviously there are in the beginning, like Betty says, there's a bit of a, well, they're the bad guys. They turn out to be good guys. They're called, is it Meta? Uh, what are they called? I can't remember. Mender. Uh, I'll have to quickly have a look. They are called the Metiads. They're kind of like a telepathic, um, I wouldn't say race, but they're like telepathic humanoids. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it can use their brain. And in the very beginning, the the captain's sort of saying they're going to mine this this planet. There's one guy who sort of stands out of the crowd and he's not really sort of into it. And we find out that he's actually telepathic and that these Metiads actually want to sort of uh, kidnap him in a way, kidnap him to bring him into their sort of like, their sort of, well, it's not really, it's like a cult really, isn't it? Anyway, obviously the Doctor gets obviously pulled into all this with Romana. Uh, in the very beginning, they're in the TARDIS the Doctor is basically securing the first segment of the key to time. He's tucking it away in an old welly boot and sticking it in the fridge to hide it away from everyone, obviously. The trace then points Romana and him to the cold and boring planet of Califrax. So, again, they thought they were going to have another snow planet here, but it ends up turning out not to be that because, obviously, it's a Xanax 
planet instead, which is is Xanax. I'm guessing is like the mountain planet. That's the real name for it. Hmm. Um, there's a nice little bit with Romana here where she's sort of reading about the Type Forty. wasn't uh, wasn't taught to them in the academy, so she's sort of obviously reading a book about the ins and outs of how the TARDIS works. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting. It's, it, it's nice to have that little dy dynamic there, I think, in the beginning, where, you know, she is obviously the assistant. The Doctor doesn't really want a meddling assistant. Uh, he likes to have them just below his intelligence level, but Romana is obviously on his intelligence level, which I think is quite nice to have it bouncing off him, um, even to the point where Romana is actually probably more, a little bit cleverer here with the TARDIS because he's trying to land it. It's getting, like, stuck um, because Xanax is materialization at the same time. That's a bit of a key plot until the ending. And then Romana actually goes and ends up landing it smoothly, but the doctor sort of thinks it's going to go wrong, doesn't he? You know, and uh, it doesn't, he obviously, yeah. she gets one up on him there. And then obviously it's a, a typical Doctor Who story then. The doctor obviously gets involved with the Metiads and overthrowing the captain and the queen. Uh, trying all the while to look for the second piece to the key to time this this is where i think some of the plot line there's some really clever things i think that douglas adams put into this story i think um there's a nice little bit where they the doctor goes into the bridge for the first time and there's like a long corridor and Basically, it's like a sort of conveyor belt, really, isn't it? Yeah. He sort of like stands still and it sort of drags him along. I think that's quite a nice little like uh, interesting premise. I don't think we've ever seen that really before in Doctor Who. I think there are a few ideas in this one that Douglas Adams brought some fresh ideas, um, especially like the time dam. I think that was quite an interesting thing. I also think it's quite an interesting where at the end of season th uh, episode three, there's a nice little bit here where the Doctor sort of gives himself up to the captain and they make him walk the plank obviously still keeping that piratey theme where yeah. he sort of walks the plank and they shoot his feet so he falls off and then it's revealed in the next uh, episode that actually it was like a hologram so that's the first use of holograms i think as well yeah a very interesting but the problem line. is though it can't really be a hologram because actually a hologram basically projects an actual person and that person is you know, the hologram only does what the person does. Whereas mm. that actual projection does, it actually has a conversation with the doctor. So that's not a hologram. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I've just got Red Dwarf vibes, to be fair. Um, You've watched way too much Red Dwarf. Yep. So I think also there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of sci uh, sciencey tech words in this. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Very confused. Well, I don't think so. This was like 78, whereas Red Dwarf is like 80s. Yeah. Are you thinking, you're saying Red Dwarf got the idea? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Who knows? Um, well, yeah. it wouldn't be, you know, there's a lot of It'd be understandable. There's a lot of scientificy words in this as well. There's a lot of like the doctor saying something to Romana, Romana going, "Oh, you mean this?" or you know, and they're kind of. I always felt as if watching it, you're kind of on the outside because the the science jargon, as it were, is very so advanced. You know, it seems like only Douglas Adams kind of knows what he's talking about here, and the viewers not really. They, like I say, I'm, I kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in. Because mm. they kind of knew what they were talking about, whereas it wasn't really explained to us 
in sort of layman's terms. And I think that's just Douglas Adams and it's just his way of writing. He's very complex with his writing. Um, you know, and like I say, there's, I thought, I thought K9 also K9 was used really well in this one. Finally, we get K9 used to a good, a good effect. He actually has, ends up having a firefight with the, uh, Abatron, I think it's called, which is the little owly, um, parity thing, which goes flying off and they sort of have this fire. I don't know. I think battle. it still thinks it looks like um, more of an eagle. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's a good idea. I think it's a really interesting premise. Uh, there was a bit in the DVD, which I don't know if it's... Uh, obviously, we watched the DVD. I don't know if it was originally transmitted that way or it's a, a special effects for the DVD. I wouldn't have thought so. I think they are originally how they were intended unless you'd switch the, the special features on. But the bit where the uh, the Metiads and the Doctor end up psycholinking on uh, episode four, they end up picking up like a sort of spanner, as it were, and they end up blowing up Literally part of the engines yep. and it kind of looks like cgi like modern modern uh cgi than the 78 i don't more know modern. why modern is not a word well, it is now modern. i've just invented it so i don't know if that it's, it's more modern i don't know if that was how it was originally done or not but it did look very like i say very stand out it did stand out to me dictionary according to matt yeah, yeah. Uh, it did stand out to me a lot um there's a nice little um, throwback in one of the episodes where the Doctor, obviously, Doctor gets captured. He always does. And he's just, he's like sort of half asleep. And he says, no, not again. Not another Janus Fawn. It's a nice little throwback to Leela, I think, there. Uh, but, yeah, just got getting back to K-9. Getting back to K-9. I do think that it was used right. It mm. wasn't... It, was not used to get the doctor out of trouble as such and mm. completely end this this you know to be the, the 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 vip of the serial you know or mvp the most valuable player of the serial um mm. it was just i think canine was used sporadically you can try and sound like a jock all you want but you're still a nerd well i was just saying that for our american listeners becky just in case they don't understand what vip means because it's mvp over there i think so well, yeah, to sports fans, maybe, mm. but, you know. Well, anyway. So, yeah, uh, so K-9 was used sort of sporadically, I think, through this uh, season, uh, this serial, and no, I thought it was really, really done well. The most valuable person, well, not player. But k is not a person, so how would that work? Yeah, but he's not a player either because he doesn't play sports. MVD, then, most valuable dog. There you go. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I do think, you know, you know, in previous serials, I think canine is used overly too much and it's sort of to the point where it becomes the canine show. This time, I think it was done right. Um, like I said, the complexities of the serial were quite good, but there were some simplistic elements to it. Uh, I did like the sort of the door bit where the doctor uses his uh, sonic screwdriver, but it doesn't really work. And then he tries to use a hairpin. I thought that was quite an interesting premise. Like, not the sonic screwdriver doesn't always get him out of trouble, which you know it, it is kind I of think one they of the things. They rely on that too much in New Who. Yeah, and also we got a change. 
Uh, Romana had the jelly babies, which I quite thought was a nice little comedy point. And I like it when uh, the doctor asked her, where did you get them from? And she said, the same place you always do, your pocket. And I thought that was quite interesting. And also later on, we actually saw some licorice all sorts. Very different, I thought, for the doctor. He doesn't, he likes a jelly baby, not a licorice all sorts. I don't know. Yeah. They're trying to say that Romana's favourites are licorice all sorts. There's this little thing called, if you'd have nicked something out of my pocket like that, especially if it was food related, Mm. you'd be in a lot of trouble. Also, Romana's outfit this week, very toned down. That's the outfit I kind of like to see a companion wear. Not sort of sexualized, like kind of like last week's. This time they're actually, I think they writ Romana, writ, is that the word? Is that the word? Would you like to correct that? Wrote. Wrote Romana very well this week. As well, but the thing is, though, it's I do prefer that because it's like you're going back to similar outfits that Barbara used to wear, mm. and I think them, you know, one, the shoes are more sensible, two, you know, us actually being realistic about things like that is the sort of outfit you'd wear if you're basically running into trouble, you know, or if you were having to deal with things and you knew full well there was going to be issues. That would be the sort of outfit you wear. Something sensible that don't jiggle your boobs around. Mm. Something that they but don't have a massive draft or so you could because you don't want to wear a skirt in that situation because if you bugger over, everyone can see your undies, you know? So something you know, normal mm. top and trousers, sensible shoes to some regard, you know? Something yeah. to be running about in. But I think a lot of it, even with when we go back as far as Joe Grant, you've got the ridiculous or Sarah Jane, you've got the ridiculous boots. You have, you know, a lot of skirts, and then with Leela, you know, it just wasn't appropriate yeah. apparel to be wearing in those certain situations. Mm. Yes, a quick uh, correction: it's actually Av Avatron, not Avatron, and it is actually supposed to be a robot parrot, is what it says on here. Uh, also, the other bit I really like the set. Didn't, the sets... didn't have a big enough. Beak. Mm. The sets I thought the were really. Looked, the beak look, looked too small, so that's mm. why I thought it looked more like a falcon yeah. or an eagle. Yep, the sets I thought the bridge set was really, really good. I thought that the set with uh, the cylinders with little tiny last remaining. F- with the last remaining fragments of the planets, I thought that was a really good set, set and a really good idea. Uh, what, like in the test, like yeah, the giant like big the tubes, test tubes? Obviously. What, they were the remainders of the planet? Yep. I thought like that was all that they took from their planet. No, they're like he. This is where it's. This is where like obviously uh, Douglas Adams, uh, psycho. So it's like um, a science jargon is really really convoluted and really complicated. It's something about compressing all the matter down into a tiny little fragment. So it's literally like a museum of planets. Yeah, and they're kind of s- stuck in like a suspension, as it were. It's kind of an interesting thing because yeah, the doctor said about black holes and that. Inha- yeah, but what happens to the inhabitants? Well, that's it. They're all obviously all dead, aren't they? You know, oh, um, the planets that the captain has in his collection. This talk is where of, I'm going talk to talk about being the ultimate leech. So this is where I'm going to butcher some of the names. Uh, it is a Bandragunus Five, a Calufrax, Grandi- Grandiose, and Qualisacin. I think that's what they say. So there's four <laughs> of them there. Um, and I'm not sure. It says it's also including some other ones as well, but I don't really know what they are. So, yeah, the ending of this serial I thought was quite interesting. It was, it's one of them in endings that you kind of knew was coming. 
Um, and you could see it, you know, they obviously got to the point where this planet had been mined. They were going to then move on to something else to try and finish it because it sounded like they needed one more mineral because it's all about getting yeah, all different what minerals. I, what I found really weird is when he started saying about blowing it up and things like that and the idea and potential of people getting hurt, it was just like, you know, he shrugged it off. Mm. I've, yeah, I thought he was a pacifist. Well, yeah, but the ending, obviously, it, they wanted one mineral left it so happened to be quartz and quartz is readily available on the planet terra or earth so uh, it's obvious it was obviously going to come i know which bit this is right quartz a quartz bracelet for all them listeners out there becky listeners remember clear quartz which so, is the heart is actually clear quartz is the best thing to actually have because all, all these crystals you get like pit um rose quartz or amethyst or anything like that where you know they have certain abilities and certain things whereas clear quartz can actually adapt to anything you actually need at that mm. specific time yeah so better one to have obviously the doctor doesn't want them to uh, sort of mine the earth so they have no, to come up with an idea quartz. so they also have to come up with the idea they come up with the idea you know that the the tardis when it tried to materialize at the same time as the um Sanax, it caused like a sort of problem. Although amethyst is quite pretty. A problem. A problem. So they obviously get the idea to dematerialize the uh, the TARDIS at the same time, and that's kind of what happens. Um, they then figure out that the second piece to the key of time is actually Califrax, and there's a little bit where they say it's oh it's in space and time, and we'll pick it up another time. I thought that was quite confusing to be honest, because you never see it. You never see them get it. So obviously in the next serial, they will pick that up. You obviously use that locator to change the next bit into the key to time piece two. Um, but yeah, it kind of, I thought this is the trouble I thought with this serial. The arse fell out of it. Yeah. Right at the end, the arse fell out. It kind of was like, we'll blow up the bridge, which is what they've done. And he said, why do you know, we'll blow it up. It'll be fun. And wasn't that fun. So it was a few Three funny moments mm. from the Doctor. Also, um, I didn't mention it in the last serial, but it's now prominent, I thought it was, in this one, so I will may mention it. In the last serial, we kind of seen in some of the shots, you saw Tom so, Baker had a cold slaw, yeah, or cold sore on his mouth. Lip. Um, well, on the outside of his lip mouth. Well, yeah, because cold sores appear on they the outside kind of, of lips. He kind of had that, obviously, but in this on one, the they kind of try to sort of um, subtly subtly explain it because when he's like at the beginning the TARDIS does that does that jolty motion and he kind of hit head head butts the console and then he's holding his mouth so they're kind of saying it happens there now it's only a tiny sort of note it is noticeable but it's only tiny but then when they show you like some recorded scenes um which were on location it's very predominant it was very predominant in that when they're sort of trying um when they're on location it kind of had two it was a lot bigger that's so, prominent i don't i don't care becky people know what i'm talking about i don't i don't mind becky what it is it's predominant is basically completely the listeners know what i'm trying to prominent. say prominent but, is like saying something's more visible well anyway so it'll probably be in the prominent doesn't is it going to be in the show notes uh quickly look at the show notes um but because when you um, look, think of dominant, you think of some be you know dominating. 
Yeah, uh, I can't see it. I don't know. Doc- so predominant, um, one, I don't even think is a word, and two would be something about before being mm. dominant towards someone. Yeah, I can't. There's nothing in the show notes that actually mentions his coleslaw. So I know it was in the last show notes, so but it's this prominent. one is more. Than... Okay, we're still, we still on correcting grammar. It's not about correcting That's a different grammar. podcast altogether. There's a you? different... There's a difference between correcting grammar and correcting words. Hmm. At the end of the day, one, yes, I correct words because one, most of the time you either use wrong words or use them in the wrong tense or there's the whole other fact of, yeah, then there's slight issues of grammar. But the thing is, mostly with grammar, grammar is written, not hmm. actually technically spoken. Okay, right. So this um, episode also ties into the key time. I just time. like criticizing grammar in general because, mm. you know, like on tattoos. Yeah. This episode ties into the arcs theme as well as uh, the key to times theme, which is balance. This is notably with the queen's suspension in the last few seconds of her life and the captain's trophy room of the planets. So that's the key to times. Obviously, it's restoring balance to the universe, to time and space. So it's quite it's it's interesting that they they've got that I think and yeah, there's the that subtle is, little I thing don't in understand there. Is that basically, you know, the doctor used to be so against blowing things up, and now all of a sudden he's blowing things up. Well, he blew up the bridge, but there was no one in it. No, because they were already dead. Well, more so the queen was in there, I suppose. So they blew up the queen, but. Is his justification? Well, she's in the last two seconds of her life. She's dying anyway, no matter what. I think that's probably more of his justification. So, anyway, that's the Pirate Planet. That's episode two or serial two of The Key to Time. I actually really liked it. I thought it was enough. It had enough of a storyline, unlike last week's. It had a a twist ending, which I thought was lovely and set up really well. And to be fair, I didn't really see it coming, even though I've seen it before. I didn't really see that coming. I thought that the captain was portrayed really well. It was nice to have a good villain for once. uh, And sort of... it doesn't matter that he overacted it either because I think it really did play into that character's insanity. So I thought that was really, really good. I thought Romana and K-9 were used... K-9 more so than Romana. She is still a little bit... I can see what Mary Tam is saying uh, with the damsel in distress. She is a little bit. She hasn't done a scream yet, which is always nice. Um, but she's kind of... She doesn't mention it. I'm his assistant. So they are still going with that assistant type of thing instead of companion. And I just thought overall, this is a nice little story. It was nice and compact. Yeah, it was a bit complex in times, I thought, with some of the sciencey jargon. And it's kind of left you on the outside looking in and not really understanding what the Doctor and Mana are really discussing. It was kind of like they're in, they're in sort of inside language, as it were, and the viewer wasn't really supposed to know. So it's not nice to be like sort of left out of the actual plot line, as it were. But yeah, overall, I'm quite happy with the way this one is going. Um, what did you think, Becky? You've already said it was a little bit of a little bit of a bore fest and a little bit samey. But would you like to elaborate for the listeners no. on what you thought? Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> pretty much said it all. So. Well, that's a nice little critique. Yeah, but I've said it's really good. You're saying it's not. I just think as you know, they could have just done better. What do you mean done better? I think after last week's, the only way is up, and I think they went up. Yeah, by like the tiniest little smidge. Mm. 
Oh, well. Anyway. Just a bit more effort would be nice. So this is uh, actually a solid note or solid time to note that this is actually Serial 99. So next week's we have Serial 100 of Doctor Who. What? So we've actually done 100 of these now? We will be. Next week will be 100 oh my God. serials. How the hell did that happen? Well, in a, <laughs> you know, season 16, up to 100 serials now. Obviously, it's more episodes because they sometimes had 12 episodes in the serial. Well, but... yeah, I know. But that's the thing. that We've literally been doing this like... Is that like a hundred episodes? Mm. So you know, a hundred hundred weeks really of doing it. Mm. So um, Mark Campbell's episode guide, as always, the verdict. The big concepts are intriguing. Canine gets to fight a robot parrot, and Tom Baker plays it straight. But the direction's flat, and the acting is generally disappointing. A six out of ten. See, well, I don't believe I. He gave last week's a ten out of ten, Becky. We always say about subjective. Yeah, know. but for once, the guy agrees with me. It's an above-average story, but I don't agree that the acting was disappointing. I thought it was acted quite well. Tom Baker playing it straight. He played but it with a little bit no of a comedy element. No one said it was Tom Baker's acting that was that it was like that. It could be everyone else's. Well, it's the same for all of them. William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee, Tom Baker. If they have a good cast of characters to bounce off of or actors, then they relatively play it really well. Yeah, but if the basically acting was a bit meh, you know, that doesn't mean that us from Tom Baker. That means it's probably from everyone else. Well, I thought that, you know, the guy who played the captain, Bruce Purchase, was actually really good. I thought he did a very good job. Yeah, Mr. Fibberly, uh, he's, he's basically playing a Weasley character, isn't he? You know, he's just like the, the henchman, as it were. And... Also, we didn't actually mention, which we should really mention, um, what is up with the, um, the sort of Judas Priest-y looking uh, soldiers with all the sort of like um, studded leathery PVC outfits. I thought they're, they're putting a bit of this like sort of bondage element into not, Doctor not Who recently, especially with last week and the soldier, it, the night soldiers. How the hell soldiers. are they supposed to see in those helmets? Well, that's it, isn't it? Because to me, that looked like a really dodgy sort of... Doctor Who has definitely found the PVC. To be fair, it's no their PVC all the way in Doctor look Who. Look like a sex toy gone wrong. Mm. Yeah. Just saying. We'll leave it on that note. Either that, or maybe the basis for someone was thinking about sending to a condom company. Well, I think on that note, we better, <laughs> we better start leaving it uh, before we uh, descend the podcast <laughs> into certain levels anyway next week's the stones of blood so we're halfway through uh we'll see what happens obviously they've got two pieces now with the key to time and we're going for the third one uh and also nice to mention the black guardian has not turned up yet it's kind of i've only just now really remembered that we're supposed to be uh in uh, in pursuit the black guardians in pursuit uh, mm. i have i completely forgot until this moment so maybe he'll turn up next week or she will turn up next week or mm. maybe we've already seen them i don't know anyway i think we'll leave it there so all the social medias are in description and let us know what you think of the pirate planet i think it was quite good becky's on the obviously on the other end of the spectrum as it were uh she's through the please. time vortex to keep it to doctor who and on the other side she thinks it wasn't that great and I think it was well. Sorry great... if I'm harder to please than you. Uh, we know that to be true. Yes. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, I think we'll leave it there. So thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. So I say goodbye and say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>